Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is by request. Our friend Steve, a Facebook listener, got to us. He requested the 1986 film Cobra, starring Sylvester Stallone and Brigitte Nielsen. Society is breeding a new kind of criminal. It's also breeding a new kind of cop. Meet Cobra. He does the job nobody wants. Necessary deadly force. I used everything I had. Do you know you have an attitude problem? Yeah, but it's just a little one. You think you would recognize me if you saw him again? The tall one? Yeah. The one that wants to kill you. Do what you have to do to get a lead on this maniac. And if I find him, do what you do best. This film comes at a time when Stallone is at the top. He's following Rambo First Blood Part 2. It's the same director. And uh, we were thrilled to receive the request. We haven't done a request uh, for a couple of months. So uh, we thought it was a good time to jump on this. Now, Lloyd, uh, Sylvester Stallone has a special place in my family history. Just because my dad once mentioned passing him in the street. It was like the one celebrity spotting that, you know, when your dad says, oh, I once saw this famous person, you know, it's... It means something to you as a kid. What, was I he surrounded by bodyguards or something? Like it was just. Well, my dad uh, backpack did a backpacking through Europe thing. So he was in France, and it was the time of the Cannes Film Festival. The story goes that my dad—I'm assuming he was there for chess because my dad was a high-ranking chess player in his youth, and uh, sometimes still is. He was going through France and had no idea the Cannes Film Festival was on. And he saw Sylvester Stallone walking down the street with his arms around one woman on each side of him, basically. And he got into a car and drove away. And my dad was like, oh, wow, that was Sylvester Stallone. And that's where the story ends. <laughs> Stallone will be 70 next year, if you can believe it. And he's still relevant. That's, a, that's the most uh, amazing thing. Like, uh, Expendables a bit, has been a really successful series. He's revived Rocky, I think, with a beautiful movie rocky balboa um and apparently he's making a, a sort of a sequel with creed um which yeah. looks really promising from the trailer but i think it's a bit early to tell you know um and he, he's still got a lot of films um in the pipeline i mean rambo as well like one of his more famous roles you feel like they could make another rambo i mean another rocky another rambo well, we like, grew up with this guy dave he means yeah. so much to us like i remember seeing cobra when i was really young but to be honest when i watched it again for this review i was like i don't remember any of this <laughs> <laughs> i sort of felt like some scenes were familiar but it's just in a kind of 80s action films were familiar kind of way you know you just i know you love straight to dvd action films and like action films in general so does it all blur together after a while? Yeah, it, it kind of does. But, uh, like, uh, what I really like, what really sticks out for me 
are, are the are the chemistry and the charisma of a lot of the stars like tango and cash for instance is a movie i'll always love and i i just put it as like one of my favorite stallone movies other than rambo and rocky if that makes sense because everyone I, I love those movies you know they're, they're pinnacle absolute grand films but when i think about stallone's all other action films like cliffhanger and so forth one of the my personal favorites that comes to mind is tango and cash because you got the collision that sorry that relationship between kurt russell and sylvester stallone the chemistry between them and it's just a really fun film um so that that's what i really love about him i mean stallone's done a lot of kind of great offsider buddy cop kind of movies even including stop or my mom will shoot you know like you pair him up with a dog or a kurt russell or whoever and uh you know he holds his own he's become an icon which is really interesting yeah it's it's, it's interesting people pay out his accent all the time like doing a Stallone. I like when i read I, I used to do it as well but then i read like he had a stroke when he was a young kid um you know like as, as a baby i think that's why he has a bit of a slur in his speech of that and things like that and when i hear that i'm like well that that's not a very fun thing to do to pay out Sylvester Stallone if he's got a speech impediment due to having a stroke when he was young you know it's interesting because I mean Arnold Schwarzenegger obviously uh is a foreigner with an accent and Stallone as well has a noticeable lisp you got Jean-Claude Van Damme it's almost like you have to have an accent to be an action star yeah, of like, the time. Um, we, of course, have the Bruce Willis's who I don't want to say he's like the standard American, but he's one that stands out that isn't the big brawn dude, that the the foreigner, you know what I mean? Like he, he just stands out as one of those guys that just really carries the whole action genre on his back and he isn't that big, massive dude that we come really come to associate up, I yeah we, we usually Muscles. associate that with action stars because of sylvester stallone and rocky and of course um arnold schwarzenegger with the terminators and now the rock i suppose is basically the most bulked up action star yeah you know, I, I like to think the 80s action films that we grew up with have kind of died off and now we've got um you know uh jason statham sort of took the role for a bit with drive and all that but i i I don't think they make uh, 80s action movies like they used to not to sound like a bitter old man (laughs) (laughs) i know you mean the transporter nobody write to us on facebook he doesn't mean drive he means the transporter okay (laughs) transport i thought they made like a drive one two and three or something okay it's transporter then could be driver or something else i know there's there's a stallone movie i think called driver but drive is ryan gosling yeah would you would you think that cobra this film would have been better if there was an actual cobra in it (laughs) first off (laughs) this film is a combination with the slasher film and the action film like the start of the movie where it shows the gangs and they go in a murderous serial rage it feels like something out of a john carpenter film and they, they really seem like a threat at the beginning and cobra really does feel like a superhero who retreats back to his lair where he has gadgets to aid him in solving the crime you know the awesome car he has the 49 mercury it's like his batmobile and his gunsling his utility belt it, it just replaced the cow and cape with some aviators in a trench coat it's like he's the punisher (laughs) (laughs) somebody actually commented that that this is as close to the punisher as you know stallone will get and that was actually his car as well stallone's oh yeah yeah i heard that and they they built a replica or something like that when when they had to crash it yeah 
They, they would have had to. I mean, I can't imagine him saying, yeah, you can trash my car. Did you hear stories about how the whole cast and crew weren't allowed to even talk to him? Uh, yeah, if you read the IMDb trivia for this film, if people are interested, uh, look, it makes Stallone look like a terrible guy. <laughs> yeah, look, it makes him look terrible. Because if you look at his roots, right, you, we've all heard the story how he had this dog and he was down on his luck and he had to sell, sell the dog just to get some money and then all of a sudden he became massively famous from rocky and then he came back and bought the dog and he all his films from fist um in the late 70s all the rocky films he portrays this really genuine lug that you all love and he's a man of the people and then all of a sudden um it just got to his head you know the 80s he was the biggest star on the planet or at least one of them and then you got cobra which really represents like especially with what happens behind the scenes like this guy that just go going megalomaniac over his fame and fortune you know like i heard stories where brian thompson who plays the main heavy in cobra when he's delivering his monologue sylvester stallone wasn't even there he was watching a basketball game so he had to deliver deliver the lines to a script reader uh which isn't uncommon nowadays with green screen and so forth like that but it's just yeah, like sometimes oh. actors don't even meet each other exactly sure. but it's just like come on man you're watching a basketball game that's your excuse you know well, the 80s was all um, Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Sylvester Stallone. Uh, the two of them were trading blows constantly on, you know, one would have a bigger gun and one would, you know, <laughs> you couldn't sort of make a film when the other one had sort of retread. You can't retread, I suppose, action movie uh, plots that they've already done. So they were constantly against each other and they had to be bigger and bigger and bigger than the other person too. So there was some story that Stallone was on steroids at times. And uh, look... I, it's it's unrelated to to Cobra really. Um, I think more interestingly, his relationship with Bridget Nielsen uh, for the film because they were married from 1985 to 1987. Did you know that? Well, yeah, and I also heard, funny enough, uh, he was working on Beverly Hills Cop heavily. Um, and then uh, they ended up having to get rid of um, Sylvester Stallone's ideas because they just couldn't afford the big action scenes he wanted. And he took all these ideas and made um, Cobra with it um, that was originally Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, I can't see the relation, <laughs> uh, I'm afraid. Yeah. And um, it was based off a book called Fair uh, that they eventually made into a film called Fair Game with Cindy Crawford and um william baldwin is it or steve baldwin and that was I one think of it's steven yeah. yeah that was one of the top sex scenes of all time that you said you saw in our top sex scenes podcast you guys should definitely check out um and bridget nelson nelson if i'm pronouncing her name correctly she I think was it's brigitte brigitte like, nelson yeah okay um she was the main heavy bad guy in beverly hills cop 2 it just all comes full round you know <laughs> yeah well it's interesting that paula gosling wrote the novel uh fair game on which Cobra is very, apparently, very loosely based. Um, I and couldn't also, see the re- resemblance. <laughs> well, I mean, fair, uh, the novel Fair Game is about a woman, so, uh, for starters, and it sounds like it's a lot closer to the Cindy Crawford um, Baldwin movie. Stallone allegedly wanted the novel reissued with himself as as author, which is pretty crazy. I looked it up on Amazon just to sort of see if people were saying it was the same sort of thing, and... And apparently both movies are terribly, terrible movies that veered away completely from the book and Cobra doesn't even come close, apparently. So, uh, yeah. There was apparently like like two hours cut from Cobra. Um, So I guess there was more relationships because I I couldn't see really the chemistry 
with um, the main character uh, Marion and Bridget or Bridget Nielsen. I I couldn't see their um, chemistry together well at all developing throughout the whole film but i actually kind of like how this movie was really lean i know a lot of hardcore fans want to see this two-hour x-rated version but at 87 minutes this is a very lean straight to the point action movie the film doesn't waste time with the love story at all there's a well-established bad guy a well-established hero and here we go and somewhere along the line there is an attractive girl that needs saving and a massive collision between all three and that that's the climax and that's what i love about this film i think having all these cuts and everything like that brutalizing the narrative actually amplified my experience in watching this film there were things I liked and things I didn't like about this. I do understand the cult following. I mean, you mentioned fair game and the sex scene and stuff before. Like, I liked Cindy Crawford, which added to why I enjoyed that film. Uh, despite people thinking fair game is a terrible movie. A lot of people think Cobra is a terrible movie, but there are people who saw it at the impressionable age of, say, 15 to 17, and guys wanted to be Sylvester Stallone. Nicholas Winding Refn, the director of Drive... This is one of his favourite movies. Exactly. Huge fan, apparently, and, like, made um, Ryan Gosling's character have a matchstick in his mouth as a sort of nod to it, you know, in some scenes. And I think it's probably just... The people who were at the right age when this came out, you know, the people who were hardcore Stallone fans, the people who loved Rocky, loved Rambo, thought Cobra was just the next in that line of movies. And it's so nostalgic for the 80s as well. Like, this is the ultimate 80s film. You can look at it and feel like this film only belongs here. You know, his name is Cobra. He wears gloves, Levi 501 jeans, aviators. He has a match in his mouth and he's invincible, you know? Like, everyone just loved that. Um, like, you can look at it um, uh, now and just feel this nostalgia for it. I thought it was interesting, the opening monologue he does in America. <laughs> the lines in this are hilarious. Like, I don't know if it was funny to audiences in 1986. It certainly was a success, but not critically. But, man, I thought this film was hilarious. I love how over-the-top 80s it was, the music cues. Again, the aviators and gloves he wears, like, indoors and sometimes at the computer. Uh, and the robots yeah. in that photo shoot. And, of course, how the model, uh, Bridgette was made up and like the editing you, you can't get away with doing things like that anymore it really is a great time capsule of that era and i don't know if you saw that internet viral video that hit the world recently called kung fury i did not it, it was brilliantly done uh, i just think it went on for way too long it it's a 15 minute joke stretched out for 40 minutes and it's just this over the top tribute tribute to 80s films and it, it's just oozing with love of 80s action films and in particular i see cobra all throughout it so i think event uh, you're going to get all these new directors like nicholas wind winding reference who are going to make these movies that are just a big fat tribute to 80s action films the 80 for a time capsule 100 percent. i'm right there with you if there was like somebody windsurfing past his car at one point there was just a lot of stuff where i was like whoa really like <laughs> there's things that you forget existed i suppose clean um, up your act <laughs> rips his yeah, shirt rip the guy's shirt what's up with that it was over two hours long the original cut of this i had also heard that uh, and read that they cut down the time so they could do more screenings oh right like, so they can run it in theaters more yeah more frequently and just 
I suppose, up the revenue. You get more people in the seats. It's crazy that, like, the statistics in 1985 or 6 when this was shot, that there's a burglary every 11 seconds, armed robbery every 65 seconds, violent crime every 25 seconds, murder every 24 minutes, and 250 rapes a day. Like, by saying that, though, then does he tackle every single one of those problems? Not really. It's sort of just saying there's a lot of crime. And there's, of course, the famous line, you know, where... I'm the cure. The the big lion on the box and stuff. I believe it's something like you're the disease. I'm the cure. I, I actually that... wrote down all my favorite quotes and I lost it for this. But yeah, it's something <laughs> like that. Crime is a disease. Meet the cure. <laughs> that's that's, that's on, on the, the box. But yeah, I can't remember yeah. the exact lines in the movie. I had a little bit of an issue with the cult in this film. It's fine to use the idea of a cult and like you know, it just didn't give us a lot of details. I suppose. An axe-wielding cult where they're in, like, a weird location clinking axes together is really interesting. And then they use those axes in some of their crimes, you know, when they attack the girl in the car or cut the car open or whatever, uh, where they do the car park attack. Um, But I didn't really understand, like, why people were doing things. Yeah, there's (laughs) apparently a cut scene with Brian Thompson, who's the main villain, the night slasher, and a couple of other guys, like the main heavies you see around him, like um, the sniper guy and some others, and they're just going about their everyday jobs, like him cutting fish. I think he works at a fish market or something like that. And it just shows a different side to them. But you're right, they don't show any dimension to the villains at all, and they become like Jason Voorhees, pretty much. And I, I kind of like that mix. Like, the less you knew of them, the more ominous they seemed. Like, they didn't have good reason. They were just this entity that represented the evil, and, you know, the hero is just going to he- take him head on. <laughs> there was um, a line they sort of alluded to another guy that's mad at the world, you know, uh, the guy in the supermarket. So... They sort of view them as just people mad at the world. And I suppose the voiceover at the beginning sort of implies that crime will continue to happen. Crime happens, you know, bad people are bad. And so you've kind of got to just go with it at a certain point. Did you like the product placement of the Pepsi in that opening scene? That was all throughout the movie, yeah. Because I remember Waterworld getting a lot of um, attention because Pepsi paid so much money to get that... Um, add in I guess as he's swimming under and he sees that city that's under the sea now and there's a big sign of Pepsi um, in there or something like that like uh, but Pepsi was all throughout Cobra <laughs> well not quite see the problem was is that they give you those two big product placements in the supermarket the guy's shooting things up and there's a big Pepsi that's pouring Pepsi like a neon sign That and I was watching that going wow this is more than half the screen advertising Pepsi. He's standing near all the Pepsi products. Then as well, outside his house, there's a bright neon Pepsi sign that he stands in front of a couple of times. And it sort of reminded me of Strictly Ballroom, how they had the giant Coke sign. But then his buddy buys a Coke at the gas station when they're on the run. And I thought that was really strange. Like, like, And he doesn't drink a Pepsi at any point. He drinks a cold or a warm beer, rather, in the supermarket before he throws it. Like, I thought, just make him drink Pepsi. Like, just lock it down. Make Pe- Pepsi the only sponsor. But maybe they weren't or something like that. Like, they just had Pepsi there. I don't know. Like, <laughs> No, I mean, that's definitely paid sponsorship. It's so visual. <laughs> well, what about when he cuts the pizza with the scissors? 
What is going on there? <laughs> It's strange. He, he it's doesn't look comfortable strange. in that environment as well, where he's got the computer and the uh, and the and the TV there. He turns on the TV, then he's redoing his gun. He, he just doesn't look comfortable. I think he's still wearing the aviators. He's still got his gloves. He hasn't taken off the jacket, sat back and relaxed to make it look like he's been there for hours. And when that montage scene where he's looking, you know, he's hacking through the files trying to find out who's who, you know, he's going through all the screen. He's still got his gloves on. It's just like, just hurry up and shoot the scene. I just would have liked to, like, it was a great set piece. I just would have liked Stallone to make it look like he's lived in there a bit more i had like just issues with the fact that one he was cutting up a pizza with scissors stallone apparently i mean he writes the script but apparently what he does is quite a few times when he writes things he mentions diet and exercise and like clean eating and like as just dialogue between characters like his characters eating well you know says get some protein and don't eat all that sugar it makes you violent and stuff that's like something that stallone has done in a few movies he's written and it's interesting because then eating pizza goes against his character's like clean eating rant and maybe he's just having a little bit of the pizza when he cuts it off like it's like a little snack or something like a little dessert even i mean i don't know or just maybe the crust is bad in a pizza i wish that had been explained more it's very strange i've never seen a character cut pizza with scissors and there was another shot of food in particular the chips and how much sauce was dipped in that Oh yes. yeah, <laughs> that really sticks in my mind, you know. But that that isn't a great chemistry scene between them. Like I, uh, I feel like you, you just really get this stiffness from Stallone, and I guess the, that scene is to tell you yeah, they're they're forming a relationship. I got that they're two attractive people, but you know, just talking about chips is just like okay. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like his character had a thing about food, but it wasn't completely fleshed out. Maybe the two-hour version would have explained it better. I sort of objected to the fact that, but you're right, like he didn't take off his sunglasses a lot. And when he goes into the supermarket, he's sneaking in. I imagine that would have been like a visual disability even. Um, He's trying to find the bad guy and he can't find him. Like that would darken his view. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would really hinder him. Frustrating. Like I was watching that going, take off his sunglasses like as well. I remember that very clearly in um, in the Ocean's Eleven audio commentary, uh, they talked about the scene where Matt Damon is holding up his shirt and covering his mouth, and it's supposed to be because Don Cheadle's character, Basher, he's just been in the sewer and he stinks. And they say, you know, uh, what were you covering your face there for or whatever? And he said, oh, you know, because, like, he's, he's supposed to be in a sewer and he smells whatever. And they're like, no, no, we've, we've paid you to see your face. Like, we want to see your face. And I kept thinking, why don't they just show us Stallone's eyes? Like, it's not attaching us to the character. Like, you're more further, you're further away from him, I suppose. I've got a bomb. I'll blow this whole place up. Go ahead. I don't show up here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I found it frustrating too. the other cops. This whole cast of, like, supposed helpers, they sort of see him as this renegade cop, if you will. And they really begrudgingly are like, fine, call Cobra. I don't care about his methods. Ah, oh, he's such a bad guy, you know. And they they 
despise him, but he gets the job done. Yeah, that, basically. That's the thing that I have to take, uh, give credit for t- to this film is that there, th- there is that layer to it, the argument over what's right and everything like that, because this is a very fascist movie. And I want, I want to start by saying there are references to the original cinematic tough guy who was John Wayne, and that is the name of Sylvester Stallone's character Marion which is the first name of John Wayne's original name, Marion Mitchell Morrison. So that's a little <laughs> a little tidbit there. Uh, like one of John Ford's greatest movies, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, there is this, this discussion of violence and the fascist mindset that both, and we'll get to this, Dirty Harry and and, Co- and, and the film Cobra are, are all about. And I really do feel that Sylvester Stallone is a huge fan of um, Clint Eastwood, the Dirty Harry movies, and Cobra really is this big love letter or, or to Dirty Harry. Uh, the, the, the Cobra, like many of the action hero movies we grew up with, Dave, are from the Reagan era where you have these brutally powerful men that go head to head with equally brutal robbers and murderers and the force and violence that these action heroes do are questioned in cobra like they like like you said with those characters they really all all the police chiefs they really question his motives and like that reporter sticking that camera and microphone in his face going like who told you you could be like judge jury and execution i know he doesn't say that but yeah. that's the idea and at what cost and how extreme. But the voice they give for these liberal perspective is Andrew Robinson, who played the main villain in Dirty Harry. And he's portrayed as this really annoying, weak character who gets punched in the face at the end. Like in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, you have James Stewart, who represents the ideals of law and order and civility in a world of outlaws and violence. And John Wayne represents the counter against the villain played by Lee Marvin that violence may be it's necessary when dealing with these outlaws and John Ford himself fought in World War II and knew you know full well what horrors the Nazis were capable of and that force and violence was necessary excuse me necessary in dealing with these problems and Stallone takes the same position as as Ford but it's much more savage it's like he's on steroids the only way to stop these criminals in the world of Cobra is through the maximization of police brutality and state control Cobra is no way in, he- in hell as elegant or as intelligent as the man who shot Liberty Valance but I have to take my hat off to, Sol- to Stallone for at least having the balls to have that layer in Cobra I absolutely read a bunch of people saying this was a Dirty Harry ripoff. Even uh, the Andrew Robinson stuff and the fact that Gonzalez, who is his offsider, uh, was also the partner in Dirty Harry. And Clint Eastwood was still very active in the 80s with um, Sudden Impact and and the Deadpool movie and they were both um, Dirty Harry movies, but Cobra just amps it up to 11, man. (laughs) I had to look up who played Gonzalez. I was frustrated because i was like i know i've seen this guy before i don't know what i know him from and most famously poppy who's a little sloppy in seinfeld and i, I just had to look it up is that poppy peed on my sofa <laughs> did poppy do this <laughs> yeah I, I was thinking about the whole supermarket scene and they get you know they call in cobra you know who arrives in his awesome car that's the license plate awesome yeah yeah awesome five oh or something and i was thinking about it like police procedure right They've got the place surrounded. They're sending in Cobra. His methods seem to be that he's going to kill the guy. You know? Uh, that seems to be what they know is going to happen. 
Now, if they're just going to kill the guy, I was thinking, why didn't they just get a sniper or something? Yeah, and, and take just, him out. Yeah. I would think of the film John Q, you know, the Denzel Washington film. Uh, he takes a hostage situation and they sneak in a sniper through uh, the vents and stuff at the, the the roof, basically. And I was thinking, like, you know, why didn't they do that? Why didn't they just And there's have an a implication he's part of a squad, like the zombie squad. I was just like, man, if he's one of them, I'd hate to see the rest. But it just seem, seems to be like him and his partner, and that's the squad. Well, I, yeah, there's not many of them, but it's interesting, too, that the Night Slasher, he's this, like, silent killer they don't know anything about, and he's up to 16 kills, and all they can do is, like, practice shooting and wait, you know? Like, the police work is so interesting in this. And it's funny, too, how, like, Cobra is just, like, polishing his car at night time and he gets given cases and just come up to him and like do what you do best and they begrudgingly go shake down the scumbags of the city you know it's i can see how people hate this like it's so laughable in points and like it doesn't hold up yeah i suppose it's it's unapologetic with its views and how it does things it's it just goes right for the throat and i have to respect it for that for just being so hardcore you know and i I don't think you can get away with that same mindset in in today making a film like cobra no and it's i think it's the time capsule mentality works perfectly here because 80s songs you know they always over explain things like with dumb lyrics like you know i'm reaching my limit it's tough to be me i'm a tough guy but you know the city's all i see you know just like that's the kind of crap you got to listen to. Apparently, You Got the Touch was written for this movie, which I find really hard to believe because when You Got the Touch plays in Transformers, it's one of the greatest moments of my childhood, seeing Optimus Prime rise up and turn the tide in the battle against the Decepticons. And I just can't... Like, I can see it appearing in here and they, they're editing a whole montage to it, but, man, that is so crazy. Yeah, I mean, it would have been wasted here where it's perfectly used in the transformers movie yeah <laughs> i like what you say like 80s they, they use the soundtracks over the top with lyrics that really explain <laughs> i once um i was doing projection and it was for uh, the anu film group in canberra and they would do very selective uh screenings of things and and they would often do double headers that were quite interesting and and uh the projection room was at the back of this hall uh, or you know large uh, lecture theater i suppose and uh the doors weren't locked and like when you were doing the screening at any time if you did the wrong thing uh people could come up and basically see what was going on because the doors weren't locked and um it was real to real changeovers so much like in fight club when you got to the end of a reel you would have to start the next reel and open the the shutters at the right time while closing the other one you know like swap machines basically two projectors side by side it's becoming a lost art dave oh yes it was it was fascinating to do at the time and i was just sort of thinking about i played uh, my own songs you know um you could put on a cd and play whatever you want to this like really hardcore film group of fans before the show would start and i played the song you got the touch by stan bush and um it was the transformers version of it this guy came in to the projection room and was like what is this song from and he was just stumped and he was just like i I don't know what this is like i've heard this before and i was like oh you you know you might know it from transformers he was like no that's not it and i was like 
Boogie Nights? And he was like, yeah, Boogie Nights. The song Mark Wahlberg sings in Boogie Nights. <laughs> I just very, uh, you know, I have this association with that song just from the movies and experiences like that. Perfectly spelling out the time capsule nature of this film is when they have sort of those dumb 80s songs and that Angel of the City song. And it's it's a montage between Cobra going around shaking down and this robot photo shoot where Brigitte Nielsen is like... You can't get any more 80s than that. That's why I love it. I was like, no, no way. You couldn't even come up with that now. Like, you know. (laughs) No. It's strange, isn't it? Like, (laughs) there's something to be said for, like, you know, nostalgia like that. Like, uh, the 80s or, like, even Anchorman, you know, sort of portraying the 70s and... And just hairstyles and big pants and things like, I mean, you sort of know the time you're watching often, you know, when you see flashbacks. I'm, I'm shocked there wasn't no, there wasn't any, like, the action sequences in this goes full round, like, full credit to the choreography and the stuntmen who made this film. I think they did a great job. The opening scene where you got the hostage situation, you got the murder, um, you know, the, the slasher murders, like, almost like a Jason Voorhees movie or Friday the 13th movie, I should say. Then you got the car, um, chase sequence where it ends. I like it how they're trying to ambush Stallone. Um, Cobra, and then he flips it on them. Like he's now chasing them. That was fantastic. It, it, like, and he's got the girl he's supposed to protect with him, and rather than try to get away, he's just going head on right after them. That that's that's brilliant there. And then there's that scene where he's holding out in the house against everyone, like, and they're all trying to attack him and stuff like that. So it's it's almost like I don't want to say Rio Bravo, more like Assault on Precinct Thirteen, where they're all coming at the house and he has to hold out there. And then you got almost like a Mad Max moment where he's on the back of the truck and all those cyclers are trying to get him and he's just shooting them down and then on top of that you get found they have that Terminator 2-esque climax where in the, they're in this factory where no workers are there yet all the machines are still on you know and, and fire is just breathing everywhere it is such a tour de force of action and I, again I, I, I really love action movies and this film squeezes it all in there and it makes it really fun and enjoyable every moment of the action scenes I wasn't bored despite how invincible Cobra was like he should have been like normally Stallone gets beat up in a lot of his movies which is what I really like here he's invincible Often in action movies, they, they get shot in the arm or the yeah, leg. Yeah, and, and that's what, like, you see the body, you see their flesh, you see them suffer. Like, all of Rocky's movies, the, he gets the crap beaten out of him. And then just by the end, he, he swings it around, you know, just through endurance. And I think it was that great, great line in Rocky Balboa, Rocky Balboa the sixth one or seventh one, where he goes, um, it's not how hard you, you hit, it's how much you can get up. And I, that that's, you know, that adage is all throughout um stallone's uh work i think but cobra is one that stands out for me because he doesn't really suffer does he no he is invincible as you say when he's on the back of that ute and he's shooting at everybody i feel like he should have got shot at that point for me the best scene of this film and i I can see 100 percent how you know lloyd's just going to mention a bunch of things about cobra that compare to other movies I think in a way, you know, it has elements of the Terminator and I wrote down the same thing. The Terminator, like that factory at the end seemed the same as Terminator. That he's, you know, he's wearing the sunglasses and stuff. Um, There's a Mad Max look there. There's a lot of things that I thought 
were borrowed from other movies, but it's like a mashup and there's like a reason people like it is because it reminds them of all these other things they like. The scene in the car park where the axe wielding guys and the masks that were coming, the security guard gets driven into by a van and there's all those randoms dying and like, you know, they're all wielding axes. I thought that was so well done, like that whole sequence, you know, the the stuff of nightmares, basically. For me, I was like, oh, I can totally see kids watching this and being scared to sleep. Absolutely. They did that slasher aspect really, really well. And it's contrasted nicely with this super invincible guy that's going to take on a whole entire army. Like when they take on the town and they're killing the sheriff, apparently that that's much more violent, the two hour version, like people getting axed in the face and everything like that. You really, it sort of revs you up going, well, I kind of hope the Cobra kills everyone, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, he's the answer to Jason Voorhees, in a way. But a good guy. Yeah, but a good guy. <laughs> well, I mean, he he's a cop, but nothing applies to him. I mean, he gets to keep files at his house rather than at the police station. He has grenades and, and things that he shouldn't have. They're not standard issue, you know. And that's where sort of you look at it and go, oh, I've either got to say, cool, I'm along for the ride. He's a vigilante cop and people respect him enough or he's got enough cred that he can do all this you know he can work from home and he can you know take a car and like bumper another and car punch another car police park. officer yeah in the he's... face massive overhand left hook and he's a southpaw mm-hmm. as well jeez louise it's interesting you've either got to get on board or you're not going to and you can either accept that it's like a big action film I mean, or you can just kind of go, this is not for me. <laughs> there is a line, I think, you're either on board or not. Was was it interesting to you that he had Nos in the car? Like, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, car that, that was a great little detail. Like, I, Nos was introduced to me f- with Fast and the Furious, and that was, like, late 90s. And then when I saw, when we did our Mad Max Fury Road uh, um, podcast, and I went back and watched all the Mad Maxes, Nos was featured in that. Nos is featured in Cobra. I'm like, oh, okay, so it's been around for quite some time, but I just never noticed it. We're just not petrol heads. No, I mean, yeah, sure we're not petrol heads. And it's a detail that Fast and the Furious really emphasise, like with literally the camera going into the engine and you see the fuel working and then, um, you know, how it speeds them up and everything like that. When he flicks the switch, I can imagine myself watching Cobra when I was young and he flips the switch to make his car go faster. I would have just assumed, oh, okay, that switch makes, his, makes him go up another few gears or something. I just was thinking, like, the cult could have easily been bikers like just a biker gang because they have all those motorbikes in the finale and they're all wearing leather and stuff like they could have just been bikers just extreme bikers on um the frequently asked questions i had to laugh at this on imdb somebody has asked or written what exactly is the new world and the answer is it doesn't really matter (laughs) who cares they're a bunch of bad guys (laughs) yeah yeah, but I mean, I asked that too. I was like, what do they want? What's their motives? Like, it's very unclear. They're very not fleshed out. It could have even just been some vengeful guys who, like, simply put Cobra put away and they're out of prison now and they've got themselves a gang or they had a gang and now they're coming for revenge and she gets, you know, she witnesses a murder or whatever. And- but they're so well armed and financed and there is an implication that... Um, when you see the cult there's a guy in a suit 
like who's and i thought he was the leader i thought okay it's going to go all the way high up apparently in one of the original drafts um the guy one of the guys the police officers is the leader of cobra and that's the guy who gets punched in the face um andrew robinson apparently in one of the original drafts he was the leader of um the new world order but they just changed that at the i don't know if it's at the last minute but towards you know the the final draft well it's a much worse part for andrew robinson like there's no dimension to his character besides being like damn it cobra yeah, damn it <laughs> you blew up the city now i'm gonna have to promote you <laughs> yeah that scene in the the fiery scene in the warehouse where he says you have the right to remain silent and he drops the match in slow motion and he lights up on fire all i could think about was like mcbain from the simpsons (laughs) how cheesy that was and i know it's the 80s and i know mcbain is like a ripoff of i know i know uh what did you think of like the rambling end monologue you know he i want your eyes pig you want to go to hell with me we're the hunters and we kill the weak so the strong survive like this guy's brian thompson yeah i i think he was a good villain um he was the bounty hunter in x files that's how i know him so it was just real pleasure to see him in the film i I just don't think he was given the right opportunities like room to breathe to really develop his character and he's just a guy you know with these really evil close-ups delivering this monologue that just at that point we're just like oh we get it you're the bad guy (laughs) you're bad we know he's saying like take me in they'll say i'm insane you know the court system works or whatever i feel like you know he's saying you won't shoot me i feel like at that point he'd be justified killing this guy he knows he's the night slasher he's literally holding a knife he could have you know i think he could have shot him and been like yeah that was the night slasher he's killed 16 people so like i you know i killed him I, f- I feel like i would be like yeah well i mean you're cobra you kill people that's that's your specialty you did that in the, in the shopping center in the supermarket i mean that's what they expect they they expect cobra to kill people it's weird that he didn't shoot at that point uh but then of course we get the final death with the hook which is much more full on yeah that's brutal it reminded me a lot of die hard when that guy um one of the main guys i think is with the long hair he gets strangled and just left up there but this one's even more brutal because a hook is right in his back so he's suffering and then he gets burnt you know just terrifying yeah but it's like i mean the cops come in right say they come in to find the body of the guy and he's attached to a hook and he's been burnt and are they like what the hell happened here <laughs> yeah we wanted to take him in it could be like in seven decide. where the guy has a flashlight over the victim's sloth and he goes you got what you deserve i just feel like uh there's a whole like another side to this with paperwork where they're like what happened cobra <laughs> just walk us through it step by step you know yeah they got the you know, will when- farrell character from the other guys who has to do all the paperwork at home jeez <laughs> yeah <laughs> the will farrell character yeah they had some plans to do a sequel that never worked out i feel like he's always you know rejuvenating his own films would you watch a sequel of cobra oh yeah i, I think this could have been an interesting franchise like he's Stallone's got like two of the most successful franchises of all time Rocky and Rambo and now he's got the Expendables which is amazing I felt like Cobra could have been definitely a a two and a three in the 80s because it just captured the the that essence of the time but I think it was just 
too mind-numbing and stupid at the time and i think it's the same thing when you look back at it now but we look back at it not as a comedy but fondly because it is a representation of how crazy the 80s was of how over the top it was and how unapologetic the film is you know but i i think because it was such a critical failure um they they just abandoned it right away well cobra was nominated for six razzie awards including uh, Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Actress, Worst Supporting Actor, and Worst New Star. And See, I, I don't think people found it funny at the time. They just saw this as a serious action film, which I think it was made with that, that intention. And as time is the ultimate judge, we look back on it now and go, oh, that was a lot of fun, you know, emphasis on fun. It didn't win any of the Razzie Awards because um, Under the Cherry Moon, which is uh, directed and starring Prince... And Howard the Duck both came out in the same year, so they swept the field. <laughs> well, what's your favourite Stallone movie? My favourite Stallone movie? And you Ooh. can't say the Rockies or the Rambos. Uh, I'll let you answer first then, because I would have said one of the Rockies. I'm just going to pull up his um, IMDb while you answer. I'm going to still go with Tango and Cash outside of Rocky and Rambo, because I think I'm going to say uh, Rocky Balboa is my favorite um, Stallone movie, the most recent one. I just really love that, and I love the other... I'm a huge boxing fan, and I love all the other Rockies, particularly 1, 2, and 3. 4 wasn't that bad. 5 was the worst one. But Rocky Balboa was just a very beautiful, sweet movie with a lo- uh, you know real, really good um, boxing scene at the end where he fights Antonio Tava. I can't remember the character's name. And it was just a beautiful, well-done um, little movie um, that, that's so nostalgic. But um, I really like um, Tango and Cash. Like... Uh, I, I just love the dynamic between um, Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell. It's just just a really good buddy film, and I hope they do more buddy films. You need to build up a lot of c- c- charismatic actors, and then you need to pair them up together. Like I can't think of any now that are great buddy films. Maybe um, in a way, Cowboys and Aliens with Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford. But I don't know if that's more like a father and son sort of film. But I, I just want to see more buddy films because I, I really think it's a great little subgenre that um, I, you know, I can't think of too many that have become out that that are like Tango and Cash. I've got the '90s really, which is where I've discovered Stallone. Uh, I'd seen Rocky, but Cliffhanger. The amount of times I've seen Cliffhanger. The amount of times I've seen Demolition Man. <laughs> And Judge, Judge Dredd as well is a lot of fun, even though Rob Schneider's the offsider in that. <laughs> um, Burn Hollywood Burn, I remember watching once on VHS, and, and he's in that as well, but I can't remember him at all in it. Did you ever see Copland? Um, I did once, but I can't remember loving it. As well, Shade I thought was really underrated, which he did in 2003. But if you take away all the Rocky films and stuff, I've, uh, you know, it becomes more tricky. He's very noticeable in Ants as the as a voice. So um, is Jennifer but, Lopez, but yeah. <laughs> we know you like Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> yeah. I'd be interested to see Creed um, sort of passing the torch on the whole um, Rocky franchise, but I wanted to point out one thing I read that I thought was quite interesting about Cobra. Bad Habit is the username on IMDb. Brigitte Nielsen is clearly seen with short hair during the photo model montage shoot. Therefore, for the remainder of the film, her big orange red hair is a wig. It's a wig. This means she was wearing it through the scene where she gets wet, the sleeping scene, the chase scene, and the whole factory ending sequence. 
This had me fooled from age 6 when I first saw it to age 28. That's 22 years, but I still love this movie to pieces. That's interesting, like eagle-eyed, and I didn't think about that when I was watching the film, but apparently she's she's wearing a wig, Lloyd, the whole movie. Would you have any interest in reviewing Stallone's very first film for our YouTube channel? Is it a porno? It is. (laughs) (laughs) I heard rumors. The Italian Stallion? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see if there's any interest, guys. Yeah, yeah. um, If you guys want us to, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) You'll you'll have to source it. It is on eBay and stuff. You guys can send us requests. Thanks, Steve, for uh, suggesting Cobra to us. Yeah, that was awesome. I really enjoyed that. That was was great. Hope you've enjoyed the chat as well. Um, You can send more requests to us on facebook.com slash podme if you can. All the links to all our episodes and our YouTube channel, everything is at podmeifyoucan.com. And next time on the podcast, guys, we will be tackling James Bond in Spectre. Apparently this will be Daniel Craig's last outing and the most expensive Bond movie ever made, Lloyd. Guys, we'll see you then. And uh, again, podmeifyoucan.com for all the episodes and our YouTube channel, which, I mean, we tackle obscure movies, probably a little bit like Cobra, but... They've always got somebody famous in them, so there's always a point of reference. Uh, They're on the way up or on the way down in their careers, and uh, we're coming up to our 100th episode there, so it's a good one if you have a YouTube account. Subscribe to us there, and you'll never miss a thing. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Talk to you next time. Hit it. for listening please like us on facebook and follow us on twitter go to www.podmeifyoucan.com pod me if you can movie reviews